You're listening to Love Your City. It's a Movement Australia podcast. We believe that communities can be transformed as a unified church in every city or town lives and proclaims the gospel into every sphere of society. We'll tell stories from where this is already happening. We'll dig into the Bible to better understand God's heart for cities and towns. And we'll discuss practical strategies. Because no matter where you live, a gospel movement can happen. It's a great joy today to uh, introduce Mark Pettikins and um, Richard Long from One Way Ministries uh, in Ottawa, Canada. Ottawa, of course, is uh, the beautiful capital of that wonderful country, and it's a great joy to have you brothers together. So um, good evening or good morning, as the case might be. Yeah, it's good evening for us, and it's a, it is a pleasure to be with you, Ian, and uh, we, of course, we've run into each other all over the world as we've been uh, kind of chasing the Holy Spirit and what God is up to around the world through, uh, through movement days and through, yeah, through, through all that God's doing in cities. So it's our pleasure to be with you. That's great. So um, I'm asking these brothers just to relate something of their journey in Ottawa. So I'll hand it over to them and uh, they'll, they'll outline the, the uh, journey that the Lord's taken them on. Sure. So uh, we're part of an organization called One Way Ministries, which, uh, as it turns out, is, a, is 25 years old uh, this year. And um, ministry was started by a local business person who had a heart to come alongside churches and pastors initially and to, uh, to help them. Our, our mission statement when we first started was, we're going to help people. And um, he was able to bring a fair amount of funding to the table. And so uh, it took us about five or six years to, to hone in a little bit in terms of what that was. But we knew that we wanted to, we knew we wanted to help leaders. We, we thought, uh, strategically, that if we could help leaders, we could help the church. Um, because if if uh, people have influence, leaders have influence, and if we can if we can come alongside and affect and lift leaders, that should have an effect on the church and on uh, the kingdom in Ottawa. And so, um, so initially, we did everything we could to bring leaders together. We and we recognized that um, what leaders needed. Um, wasn't particular wasn't funding all the time. Their their biggest need wasn't funding all the time. It was often uh, relationship. It was often their uh, encouragement in terms of their spiritual life. It was often uh, somebody to talk to about difficult situations, trusted people where they could have honest conversations. Um, it was sometimes that their marriage was not going the way they'd hoped, and that it was difficult, um, and their wives were. Uh, barely just hanging on sometimes as pastors' wives. And uh, and so we did everything we could to pour into the lives of these leaders and recognizing from the from the business community that that you know people in leadership and business often get to ha- experience nice things. They get to go on retreats, they get to meet in nice places and have conferences and nice spots. And so part of what we did was we would facilitate gatherings for pastoral leaders and ministry leaders in places where they wouldn't often get an opportunity to go to. And in doing that, uh, I guess we endeared ourselves to them and, and they began to trust us. They began to trust us. It took a little bit of time. I remember one, one, uh, one evening where we hosted our first uh, pastor's appreciation event 
and they'd never had this before. And we gathered as many pastors as we could in a room. And uh, we had a speaker. We had H.B. London from Focus on the Family. I don't think he's alive anymore, but he's a great speaker. And somebody who he was our, their pastor, a pastor, and he came in and he wanted to uh, just be a blessing to them. And our founder, Larry Bruin, got up yeah, that evening and he said, um, uh, so good to have you everybody here tonight. And I bet you're wondering what the catch is, right? And this nervous laughter breaks out throughout the room because everybody's like, yeah, what's the catch? Why do you want us here? What do you want to ask us for? And he, you know, he just really disarmed everybody by saying, there's no catch. We, we don't expect anything of you. We just want this evening to be an evening for you that you and your wife can enjoy. And it, actually, as they left, we had these nice gifts for them. And it just, it just went, oh, wow, these guys are for us. They are, they're trustworthy. And so we began to we began to receive some of that currency of trust, and uh, and that began to grow with with leaders between one another. They became friends. So I'll let Richard jump in here because there was a significant event that took place in those early days that um, really helped us too. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, the The significant event happened uh, now over twenty years ago was when Billy Graham uh, came to do a mission in Ottawa. It was eventually called Mission Ottawa, and that became the name of the citywide movement for a number of years. And that was uh, a time when, uh, for the sake of the gospel, um, charismatics and evangelicals uh, figured out they would have to learn how to work together and have worked together ever since. It even was a time of reaching out to the local archbishop of the Catholic diocese and yeah, because there was quite an evangelistic group of priests in Ottawa to invite them to be a part if they wanted to, which they did. So it was a significant event, which launched um, the last 21 years now. Um, but uh, I should say about that, that Billy Graham always um, in those days required the pastors to have a prayer summit ahead of time. And, um, I, I was at that time I was in Toronto. We had a similar kind of thing. And the Billy Graham guys would say, after we do one of these prayer retreats, people always say that was so great. We should do another one. But they said to us in Toronto, only one out of every 20 cities will ever do it again. And sadly in Toronto, that was true. Um, we didn't do it again. Um, but in Ottawa, it's been done every year since with maybe one exception. So that, that basis of yearly, going away, leaving the city often for, to retreat together to pray and to hear the Lord, I think has been a huge part of what God has done. So so there, in the early stages, there was mission, there was prayer, and there was growing trust. Um, I do, do think, having interviewed uh, leaders that were part of that, that stayed together for probably the next 13, 14 years on a, on a team, that it eventually became... Um, a bit stagnant and became a little bit more ingrown and they lost their sense of mission. Um, and so they, they did something extraordinary, which I'm still shaking my head and wonder about, but they actually decided they were going to step down in mass and raise up a new team. I got to be part of that new team, but if they hadn't done that, we might still be stuck, you know, um, a huge step of faith um, but uh, what it meant was a new team could begin to think about how to be back on mission. And we actually changed the name of the citywide movement to Love Ottawa to remind ourselves we're here to love our city in the name of Jesus, here to love our neighbors. 
And so for the last uh, nine years, it's we've been called Love Ottawa. And another critical decision at that point was to come to One Way Ministries and say, uh, we know you guys have been helping us often behind the scenes for all these years. Um, we could really usually help to kind of get into a new place. And, and Mark and his, his leadership invited us to, to come into their team, gave us offices, high-tech uh, support, secretaries, and all the things we needed to really launch in a whole new way. So um, that's that's really been the turning point about uh, nine years ago when uh, we went from being Mission Ottawa to Love Ottawa. And it, part of that, I, I would say, is also a decision to decentralize, not to become just 10 or 12 pastors talking about this once a month, um, but to uh, invite as many other leaders, business leaders, housewives, prayer leaders into the action. And uh, so we went from probably about 10 leaders nine years ago working on the citywide project to um, having about 15 teams uh, with probably over 150 uh, leaders actively involved every month, often every week, sometimes daily on the citywide project. So uh, I know, Ian, one of the things you wanted us to talk about was just this uh, strategy. Um, so, uh, you know, as I, as I think about um, what has helped us over the years is the, um, is the partnership between our marketplace leaders and our pastoral leaders and our ministry leaders. There's, there's been some great synergies that go back and forth. And, you know, I should have made it clear that, you know, when our ministry started, we were all business guys. We were all people coming out of the business, just saying, we want to, we, we got to, we want to help somewhere. Um, but as we, as our, uh, it took a few years for the, the honing of our vision. And uh, we got to the point where um, we realized that we had three tracks that our strategy ran in. Uh, this, the, the first track was this, this whole area of investing deeply into the lives of leaders and their wives and their families into their, their personal health, their full health. And, uh, and so we would do all kinds of things that we could. We would, we would find partners who could help come and help them. We've, uh, we've sent, uh, you know, funded and sent a number of leaders into leadership programs, uh, many of them not, nothing to do with one way, but where we've developed great relationships with other people who were doing amazing work on the leadership front. Um, we would um, do fun things. You know, we, we you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm an African, but I, but I enjoy playing hockey, ice hockey. You know, I have I have to say ice hockey when I talk to Australians. I know because you're going to think field hockey, well, ice hockey, and uh, you know I've learned learned how to do that somewhat. But you know we get 30 guys that uh, bump into one another during our ice hockey season playing playing ice hockey, and it's great exercise and all that kind of stuff, which is wonderful. And uh, so far nobody's had a heart attack, but it's great to it's it's great for these guys to just continue their relationship, developing their relationship with one another, and it's wonderful to see those relationships grow and, and friendships. You know, when people ask us about what we do, well, we, we help facilitate friendships because when leaders are friends, they're willing to work with one another. They're willing to pray with one another. So that relational uh, friendship, uh, your personal relationship with Christ, um, creating some safe spaces where honest conversations can happen about that. Like we've had pastors sit with us and say, I don't like my church. You know, I don't, I don't, I, I want to quit my church. 
you know, and that's just in the moment, but you know, they feel that way sometimes. And this is a place where they can come and say, I can, I can say that. And I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be fired for saying it. I'm not going to be disciplined or whatever. I, this is just what's on my heart. The second track is the prayer track. We, we just feel that as a ministry, uh, that, that prayer is so important. And, um, and so, you know, it flows out of those prayer summits, I think, but we want to, we, we want to see our city prayer saturated. And so we do everything we can to bring together prayer leaders to um, uh, to to uh, get people prayer walking to get you know we have we have a week or in early in the year in January called sitting our knees where we encourage all kinds of people to get together find a way to get together with other people and pray for our city for that week um, and there there are many other things we do a prayer breakfast and um, and such Richard you might want to say a little bit more about prayer but. That's that second track. And the third track is, is, um, is our mission track. A number of our team are, are missionaries to the city that, that look to the Lord for their support and to the churches. And I'd say a lot of business leaders as well are a big part of that equation. Um, but we have a full-time um, person who works on prayer for our city. We call it Pray Ottawa. And Sarah Jackson, uh, I think about six years ago, stepped into that role. Uh, we're that, that's huge because uh, um, uh, for many years now, we we write, she actually does this now, um, a prayer point that goes out every Wednesday morning uh, to about a thousand people in our city, pastors and intercessors. And so we literally have been praying on the same page month after month, week after week uh, for years. I, I think it's actually been even before she arrived. So probably about eight years now in a row, uh, that's 400 weeks in a, in a, in a row. We've been praying together as a city church in strategic ways. So, um, that's just one of the things that she, she works on and coaches prayer leaders and encourages prayer houses, etc. Missionally, um, is, is huge. And that's the third leg of the stool. And I, one, one of the things I've learned, cause I worked on citywide stuff in Toronto before coming to Ottawa and never, never figured this out because I would try to get pastors to pray together. And I could get a certain percentage, but there were a lot that just weren't interested. And I didn't understand that. Um, but pastors being wired the way they are for the gospel, um, I began to learn that if, if we found out what was their passion in terms of reaching the city, it might be a particular kind of uh, group, demographic, um, might be students, might be inter- newcomers, refugees, if we could unlock their passion and then put them on together on teams, um, they would pray together on those teams. But now they had a reason to pray together because they were working on something to do with bringing Jesus to the city. And so, um, so we've we started one team, and it, it they just multiplied like rabbits. We have two brand new teams coming out of the gate already this year, um, and uh, th- that allows pastors. Uh, to be on mission together. And we we do mix in, I should say, Mark would be adamant about this. We don't put too many pastors on any any team because then it just becomes a, a talk fest um, and maybe some prayer. But um, we put practical people, business people, housewives. Uh, we make sure every team has a prayer point person who mobilizes prayer on that team um, because um, these are these are horses that we want to have running and team together. And so um, 
So mission has has multiplied. We have everything from from um, small efforts, like around small demographics. It might be working with families that are looking after orphans or um, foster foster kids. Uh, it's a group we call Connect Care Ottawa. To um, a whole citywide evangelism team that at Easter time, even with COVID lockdown, did a campaign using um, the internet to reach out to hundreds of people. So, um, so it's it's all scalable, all kinds of different um, ways we encourage mission. And um, I would say that that has been something that's moved everything forward. When when we could get get uh, people around the gospel and around bringing the good news of Jesus to the city in, in very specific ways versus just general, very specific task forces. I think, I think one of the important things to understand is that we don't, we don't sit, sit and dream about what teams should be formed or what ministry should be going on. Although we, although we do pray for it, you know, we see things and we go, Lord, would you raise up a team in this area? Would you raise up a team in this area? And he, and he does, he has, he's done this a number of times. Uh, I know for one of the things that's been on my heart for many years was to have uh, a digital magazine that would tell some of the stories of what was going on in our city, what the church was up to. And uh, it, it took many years, but it finally came about. And we now have a, we now have a magazine called Spur Ottawa, where every week we get a story that's published about what, you know, what the, what's going on in our city to raise up passion and knowledge about what, you know, what the church is actually engaged in. So um but we are strategic. I think even one of the things you want to find out is, you know, what are what are our strat what are our strategies? We do think strategy. Uh, um, I come from a business background. I like strategy. I like vision. I like mission and goals and values and all that kind of stuff. So we we pay attention to that. And you know, I think maybe reluctantly I drag my team into that from time to time. But uh, it is important. And um, you know, the last time we went through a uh, our five year strategy plan, the the first thing we put up on there. Was that um, was that we as a team wanted to feel like we were growing in our ability to abide in Jesus, and so it's kind of an interesting mixture of of a very strategic, like we're going to go after this, but also like you know how, how do you measure are you abiding in Jesus? You know, like it's a, a little bit hard, but I, but it, but I feel like we are, and we you know we've been partnering with a ministry now that's been really helping us on that front. So that was that was number that was number one. The other thing is that we we are funded and uh, and we work you know we work hard at being funded. You know our team is nine nine people full time equivalent people like Richard and a number of others you know raise their own support. Money is important. It's important to get things done. Money is important to host events well and to do things at a nice you know at a nice level where where people are are like okay these guys mean mean something they're up to something here. So, um, so that's, that's in our strategy as well. So I'm trying to give you an indication of time that some of the things that fall into our, our strategy, but in terms of, uh, Richard, you want to share one of the, you know, one of the many God stories that are happening, uh, or have happened around our city, perhaps in the last couple of years. Sure. Um, maybe I'll go to the COVID crisis since we were all kind of thinking about that. Um, be, before the, COVID hit, we'd actually had a team form uh, about two years earlier that was very slow getting going, but it had been formed at a crisis. Um, and we'd been, we'd been helped by Samaritan's Purse when we'd had, first of all, floods. We have a river that flows through our city. 
and it, it flooded twice in about four years um, with devastation. And then we had a tornado. So, so we had a team that, that had begun learning how to mobilize churches to respond to crises. COVID was a different kind of crisis. So that team realized they needed to form a, a sub team that just worked in medical people, people with good organizational skills to help the churches figure out what we could do to serve the city with COVID-19. Um, and so that became a, a task force that's been in place now for just a little over a year. Um, but it's been doing some amazing things. And it, it, it went really looking where the city, um, because they think on a large scale, was missing some of the the really um, the, the cracks or the gaps in, uh, in uh, serving the city. An example would be the first project we worked on um, is we have a, a group that work um, to provide health to street uh, engaged people, street people. And the city really didn't have any way to do that or any safe way to do that, to work with the downtown missions. And um, But this group, uh, they were putting their lives at risk because they had no uh, protective equipment. And so, so there was a team put together that got ladies sewing masks before, any, before you could buy them or gowns, protective gowns, really early stages of COVID, but uh, we're able to deliver hundreds of, of masks and, and gowns and gloves that they bought uh, to, to help our, our street workers who um, were keeping care of our, our street population who really escaped the pandemic for the first year. There was no outbreaks uh, for almost a full year in, in our um, street population. So uh, that, that team has gone on to raise um, all kinds of other needs they've, they've worked because we just went through our winter to raise winter clothing for street people, but also to work with our food banks and um, provide um, you know, cleaning kits to families. And uh, it's just been a, a really quick responding group that's been able to mobilize many, many churches, many churches that hadn't participated in collaborative things before. This was a very practical and a very organized way for them to get involved in, in citywide outreach. The, the other story I would share <laughs> Is, uh, is, a, is, a, is a new team that came to us. And once again, we don't come up with the ideas. People come to us. They, you know, they begin to realize, okay, we, we, God's putting something on my heart. And so this team of three people came to us with uh, the idea and the passion of wanting to help ex-convicts um, find a place in the local church and find meaningful work that's going to help them step out of and step away from their past. And uh, they call themselves Whitestone. And... Uh, on their website, they were, you know, they were, they were, they were asked like how, how, like, like they've developed fairly quickly and uh, they posted a blog post, uh, you know, talking about the secret sauce of what, of what's made this, um, what's made this, uh, given, given them the ability to, uh, to be able to develop as quickly as they have. And um, he said their, their answer is marketplace ministries. Marketplace ministries are alive and well in Ottawa. They provide connections um, that help White Stir and so serve our participations. And then they go through and they talk about, uh, you know, four or five different teams and ministries that are connected, that are um, that know one another, that trust one another, that 
for the most part, like one another. <laughs> and, and it's because of those connections that this, this team has been able to launch. And now, you know, you know, just a few months into their, their launch, they are now serving uh, convicts. They're recruiting churches to be, you know, safe churches for convicts to come and land in and be part of. And, you know, they've got doors, doors are open for them to be able to see this happen. And so, um, to me, this is a, this is an outworking of a principle that we find in Genesis 11, uh, where the Lord came down. This is the Tower of Babel story. The Lord came down and saw the city, the tower, the, the, the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking uh, the same language, they've begun to do this, then nothing they plan will be impossible for them. And my point is that um, if, if we're not, you know, if we're seeking not to build our kingdom, not our own Tower of Babel, but we're seeking to build God's kingdom, and uh, and we can speak the same language. So that is, we learn we learn, you know, to like one another and trust one another and understand one another and respect the life of Christ in one another, even though we have different denominational differences. Um, and we have the Holy Spirit. They never had the Holy Spirit. God was concerned about them in the Old Testament. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. We've got the Holy Spirit. And 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 the Lord said nothing would be impossible for them to do. And you know, you're hearing the good stories, okay? Like, let me be honest. You're hearing the good stories. It's messy. It's hard. We've made mistakes. We've made blunders. Uh, you know, we're not perfect. We we're we're messy. Uh, but we are. But we are seeing God at work in our city. And I believe this principle is true anywhere. Anywhere where where people are willing to uh, walk in unity with one another and make God's kingdom their priority. Just a few little questions uh, circling back on some other things. Um, the teams, you've mentioned teams that um, have grown up. Can you name them or how many have you got or just what, what does that look like having these teams? Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, we do have quite a few of them on our Love Ottawa website. That website's going to change again soon, but there should be many of them there. And the thing is, most of them have their own websites. They have their own social media team and uh, create videos. And um, we try to really release them and, and just make one way Love Ottawa kind of a platform they can build on and be, be able to receive monies and disperse monies through our through our waves of helping them. Um, but uh, yeah, so they come up with their own names. Some of the names I like, some I can't stand, but uh, it's their choice. Uh so I like most of them, but uh, for example, uh, Friends for Dinner is um, a team that reaches out to international students. Dig and Delve is, a, is an apologetics effort that's aimed at 20 and 30 something age group rather than the classical modern uh, apologetics. It's, most po it's more postmodern apologetics, very effective. So the, the list goes on. But I would say we, the, the learning curve for us in the last nine years is learning how to raise up healthy teams, how to keep them healthy, how to renew them, and uh, and resource them so they can just run with the vision that God's given them. And so we, we try to – so they don't have to go out and find their own charitable status and boards, members of their board and all that. Uh, we take that off their plate just so they can quickly get a team up and running and mobilize the churches that want to help them. The churches um... – alive to what you're saying and um, I mean some of them at least I'm not expecting every church in Ottawa and would they 
would they say this has been a part of the renewal of them as congregations and even growth? I think so. I think, you know, what we look for, what we look for when a team approaches us is we, we you know, we ask a couple of questions. Um, is the leader, do they have a lead? You know, is, is this a, a, a person that is competent in terms of being able to lead? Does he have respect for, from people around the city? And will their ministry help the local church be better at being the local church than it is? And so, you know, we just talked about this team called Friends for Dinner. You know, if a, if, if a church wants a ministry to international students, this team is there to serve them. They're there to help make, you know, make the connections between people in a local church and international students. They do the hard work of making those connections. And it is, it's a ton of hard work um, for them to host, you know, international students in their homes during holidays and to be able to have conversations with them. And, uh, you know, people come, some of these internationals come to faith and it's beautiful, but that team is there to serve the local church. So I, I, I hope it does, but, you know, I can't, I can't speak for that. I know in my local church, they, they, they like one-way ministries. Let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah, they, they sure do. Well, an example of that, I think, Ian, would be we began praying that God would raise up more church plants in our city. Probably about, um, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, group of key pastors. And uh, praying that God would send laborers into the harvest field. And but we put together a, a team around church planters. So if they, when they arrived, we'd be able to support them and and give a cohort to grow together. And um, our goal is eventually to have a hundred new churches in Ottawa, which is a city of a million, with maybe about six hundred churches in it already. But many of those churches are dying, and uh, we've seen over fifty church plants in the last seven years by God's grace. Um, so, so that's a form of renewal because I do believe I'm part of a church plant. That's the growing edge of the kingdom. The fastest way to reach new people is plant new churches. Going to the wider city, uh, your civic leaders and influencers, even if they're not Christians, are aware of this work. And if so, what's their um, involvement or interest? Well, a couple of ways that I can think of, and maybe Richard might come up with another couple, but uh, definitely around this Respond Ottawa team, this, this, this sort of a crisis response team. We've had some engagement from our city leaders on that front. Uh, they're aware of it. Uh, they're, uh, it's, it's kind of a growing awareness. Uh, we just had a request uh, come to that team to help mobilize the mobilize people to help provide uh, uh, just drives, you know, drive people to vaccination centers, you know, for people who couldn't get there. And so it was wonderful, wonderful for that, that request to come through that team to the church for that. And so we, we do have, you know, we've got some natural over connections on that front. But we do host, um, we host what we call our Ottawa Civic Prayer Breakfast, which in which we, uh, the, the vision of that is to honor our first responders, honor our civic officials, and, uh, and to challenge one another to neighbor well, to be good neighbors, to be, you know, biblical neighbors. And, and it's a Christian event. And our, our mayor has showed up um, for many, many years, um, Mayor Jim Watson, who uh, is a publicly gay and uh, he shows up and uh, we love having him there and um, and a number of other councils will show up for that as well. Quite a bit of it happens through um, through Respond Ottawa or uh, some of our refugee work. We have certain city councillors who show up for all the stuff we do and are big champions. wouldn't say all of our city councillors feel the same way about us, um, but uh, but we have 
I think some of the more influential city councilors with with leading positions that love what we do and tweet back and forth with us when we need to get some interaction. That's their seems to be their language these days. Uh, is there any particular focus from any team upon um, civic leaders um, or business leaders or chamber of commerce type people um, from um, One Way Ministries? Yeah, so we, you know, going back to that relationship, friendship, um, you know, encouraging people in their faith. We have a, we do have a track there called our workplace network track. And we have a team that works to uh, gather together uh, leaders and people in the workplace. You know, uh, we're a government town. Uh, we're, we're an interesting, di- interesting dynam- dynamics. We have quite a large um, public service and quite a large uh, high tech community as well. So, um, so that team works to um, help people figure out what does faith look like when I go to work, and uh, and so they do a number of things on that front end to to do that. You know, most of that's all been online the last little, little bit, and really taken some nice steps towards that. Um, but as I said before, our relationships with some of our our particular business leaders, they are often the ones that are coming to us and saying, uh, "I've got a passion. I want to see this happen in our city." And uh, I think and they, and they they draw together a team, or we help them find teams. Sometimes we help them find teams. Richard's excellent at this. He he remembers you know what somebody's passion might be, and he's we're often bringing together people who who haven't met each other yet or haven't recognized one another, but have a similar passion. We've seen a, we've seen a couple of teams form that way. Just to illustrate Mark's point, um, we would have, uh, it's grown because of the pandemic. We probably have 150,000 people working for, so that's many, many more households impacted by, by the federal civil service and uh, 26 departments and buildings all over the city. And uh, we've been super encouraged because um, we've been praying for God to help us to impact a very secular world where where Christians are not really able to raise their their profile very easily. Um, but uh, seen amazing breakthroughs as we've been praying for impact in those government departments. So that's a long. We still got a long way to go, but uh, the last year and a year and a half has been super encouraging to see more and more Bible studies and prayer groups rise up in government departments. And do you have any involvement into your national parliament on um, not only on the individual parliamentarians, but also um, on their legislation and, you know, the wider cultural issues. Some might call it cultural wars that seems to be going on in Western civilization generally. Um, I actually came to Ottawa 15 years ago to uh, be part of the establishment of a prayer ministry called the National House of Prayer. So for the first five years here, my whole time was spent in Parliament and with prayer teams in there. So um, I'm pretty connected to some of the national lobby groups and things. Um, we, I would say only a portion of pastors in Ottawa are interested in national politics. It, it's strange, but um, there's almost an aversion to politics by some because we live in the in the center of politics, but there are many pastors who know when they're called to Ottawa that means they're called to the capital and to the workings that happen to make uh, our society work governmentally. So um, yeah, I would it would depend um, 
on which government's in place, we would say we are having a tougher time bringing some some balance and, and some morality to um, current government. But previous government was very open to it. We had the recursions all over the place. And um, all of our churches have people who work on Parliament Hill embedded in the system and that network together. So there's an informal influence that um, probably would scare the heck out of um, the people who are, who are trying to secularize the nation. Any last um, word that would sum up what you feel um, the call of God upon you brothers and the wider team for your city? We have a long way to go. Uh, we have a million people and we want to see all of them in their lifetime have a credible presentation of the gospel that they can respond to. Um, so that's every demographic and every neighborhood. And uh, we are also a bilingual city. We have a fairly much an unreached uh, 30% of our our city are francophone and um, uh, less evangelized. So uh, so that's our growth uh, area. We really need to reach the francophone population of the city much better than we're doing. And for, for the uninitiated, that's the, the French, um, the people with French, French ethnic roots. Yes. And, and obviously yeah. currently speak French language. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't know that I can add much to that, Ian. Um, all I can say, it's been a pleasure to be able to, to be able to share our story, you know, and uh, if this has been helpful to anybody, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm.